morning, everybody. Welcome to Valley Baptist Church. If you have your Bibles, please go ahead and open them up to Luke chapter 10. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one in front of you. Feel free to keep it if you don't have one. Um, But Luke chapter 10 will be in verses 38 through 42. It is a very short story, Um, powerful story, at least I will, uh, very convicting. This is a story that always hits very close to my heart. Um, I don't like the way it makes me feel because I get convicted by it, and it's a constant reminder to me. Um, And as you're turning there, I just want to give a a prayer request. I found out during the last service, um, Hilda and RJ, for those of you that know them, RJ on Wednesday, and I'm not a nurse or a doctor, but RJ is going on Wednesday at 10 a.m., a heart catheter, which may turn into a stent or may turn into heart surgery. RJ is a good old boy, and he's not worried at all. But RJ, I mean, but Hilda is a nurse and knows all of the other stuff, and so she's a little bit more nervous about what's happening. And so um, just keep them in your prayers, and if you remember around Wednesday, around 10 a.m., just to keep them. We're praying that they, they could just go in and out and it resolve itself, but it's one of these things that they don't know until they get in there. And so please keep them in your prayers. Um, we're going to pray. And look at this story, um, Mary and Martha. Father, we do thank you and praise you for this day. We thank you for your word. We thank you that it's living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword. Um, Father, as we come today uh, to study the scriptures, Lord, we ask that your spirit would illuminate the meaning of this text. Father, we pray that the story would come alive, that we would see um, the emotions, Lord, that we would be there, that we would know what they were feeling, and, and Lord, that we would identify with Mary and Martha, and, and that we would uh, submit ourselves to you, Lord. We pray um, that your spirit would um, just soften our hearts, Lord, and, and may we slow down and focus upon you, and may your uh, voice just be heard, Lord, in our hearts, uh, that we would know, um, Lord, wh- how we fit in the story and the things that we need to do um, to to help ourselves in our walk with you. Uh, we love you, Lord, and uh, we pray this in Christ's good name. Amen. Um, Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Now, as they were traveling along, he entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister called Mary, who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. But Mary was distracted with all her preparations. And she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are so worried and bothered about so many things. But only one thing is necessary for Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. And Father, we thank you for the story. We pray that as we explore it, Lord, that you would help us uh, to understand this, uh, this simple story in a mighty way. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So in chapter 9 of Luke, as we've been working our way through the Gospel of Luke, chapter 9 was sort of this, this turning point, this transition. The first, about third of the Gospel of Luke is focused in the northern region of Israel, referred to as Galilee. Um, there's a triangle there, kind of, um, between Capernaum and a couple cities where Jesus, most of his ministry was done. His life happened there. Um, 
During the last portion of his life, he transits south to his last Passover, and and he basically goes to the Passover to be crucified. So this, from basically Luke chapter 10 to the end, all of this story happens down in the Jerusalem, like in Jerusalem area. And we see in verse 38 that as they were traveling along, he entered a village. Luke doesn't tell us what village it is, but we know because we know where Martha lives. Um, this map is sort of a blown up picture of the one we've been looking at. Um, the top part of Israel, there's a body of water referred to as the Sea of Galilee. A river flows from the Sea of Galilee south about 80 miles or so into the Dead Sea, uh, which is a salton sea. The water doesn't go out. Um, and at the northwest corner of the Dead Sea, inland or west a little bit, there's Jerusalem. So you can see Jerusalem right here. Uh, within two miles, there's the city of Bethany. Bethany is where this uh, story takes place. You can, can you guys see the two little round dots? And then there's the triangle. The triangle is the Mount of Olives. And so if you're in Jerusalem, you literally look right across the Bethany. It's only two miles, but there's a steep ravine down and then a ravine up. So it's a little canyon, the Kedron Valley or valley goes through there very close. Whenever Jesus was in Jerusalem, he would go to Jerusalem, spend his time there, and he would retreat to Bethany to stay with Martha. She was a very hospitable lady. And so in this story, it begins. They're traveling along. They enter the village and this woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. This the story of Mary and Martha so often turns into like a debate or a, a slamming of Martha, that Martha's bad, Mary's good. And I don't think that's necessarily the case. Um, Martha is loved by Jesus. In John chapter 11, verse 5, we're told, now Jesus loved Martha, her sister, and Lazarus. These are It's Mary and Martha, their sisters, and then they have a brother, Lazarus. Jesus was very close with them all. Um, Jesus is only recorded at weeping twice in the whole New Testament. One time is when Lazarus passed away and he was about to raise him from the dead. He was very deeply connected with this family. And Martha welcomed him. And she'd put him up. She'd feed him. And Jesus just, just traveled alone. He had a whole entourage, 12 men, not including Jesus, and stragglers of who knows how many. I... It's hard to put up one person or a two people, but 12 men. This is not something most ladies, I think, volunteer to do that often. And yet Martha continually opens up her home to them. Her hospitality here is something that we as Christians should be like. We're, we see in the scriptures, I've list, listed about four different places up here. Uh, you don't have to turn there, but in Romans chapter 12, verse 13 we're told to be devoted to one another, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. So we see that as Christians, our, our attitude in life towards one another should be that of love and sharing resources and helping each other and just being hospitable people. When we look at Timothy and Titus, as it says, you know, as you are looking to call an elder, an overseer, a pastor to the office, 
you want to draw from mature Christians and the attributes of mature Christianity. One of them is hospitality. It says an overseer then must be hospitable. There's no question about it. A pastor should be hospitable. This is not one of my strengths, but I'm but it is a requirement that God has put in my life and and has helped me to become better at it. Now, Hebrews 13, 2 is one of my favorite passages in the whole Bible. Not because of what it says necessarily, but because of an event I had. I was a young seminary student and we were having a summer session. And for whatever reason, we had to take the gospel of Matthew and we had to drive downtown San Diego, essentially in San Diego skid row. There's homeless people everywhere. We walked into this. It was like a church or something. It was more of a warehouse feel. We had a table set up and there was a big like door, like a, like a more of a, you know, that you could drive an 18 wheeler up to and unload. And it was about half pulled up and I'm sitting there in class and the teacher's lecturing and I see a, a homeless guy picketing. Essentially he's walking around with this sign and it says Hebrews 13, two. And I'm in class, the teacher's talking and I'm going Hebrews 13, two, what's Hebrew? I've never memorized Hebrews 13, like John three sixteen. I could tell you what that says. Genesis 1, 1, that's my, oh, and John eleven thirty five. that's my scope of Bible memory that I've committed to understanding. But Hebrews 13, 2, and I'm like, now my curiosity is killing me. And then the teacher's talking, and I'm like doing this with my Bible, you know, like, <laughs> okay, oh, he looks at me, does stop moving down here, and I read, and it, I laughed out loud when I discovered that it said, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by this, some have entertained angels without knowing it. And I'm going, that is awesome. This homeless, like, I, our class didn't have a break. The guy was gone by the time we got off. But I was like, I'm going to go give that guy 10 bucks just for, like, suggesting that he could be an angel, that, that I would be blessing God by helping him out. I mean... A sense of humor goes a long way in my book. And I, so now whenever I see Hebrews 13, 2, I think that guy, I pray for him. I'm like, Lord, I hope he's doing good, you know, like hope. And then finally we see concerning hospitality in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 9. I think this verse to me is one that I need to memorize. I think Martha could have used it. And it says, be hospitable to one another without complaint. See, being hospitable is not easy. It is not at all easy. I love being the guest in houses. <laughs> Literally, I have like people that are parents to me because I crashed in their living room for like all of high school, all of high school. And they're like, yeah, we just always referred to Gunner as our third son. And I have multiple people that talk to me about me like that way. But it's not easy. Like when I go places, it's like, man. How is their house so clean? Did I just keep it clean all the time? No, it's only been clean for 30 seconds prior to my arrival. And if you were like to go look in the closets, you know, stuff would spill out probably. Now, maybe there are some people who are actually really clean, but most of us, when somebody's like, hey, can I come over? Oh, sure. We're, yeah, we're fine. Quick, everybody, battle stations, get everything put away. Oh, what are you doing? Oh, nothing. We're just hanging out. This is still in my pajamas, you know, just no big deal. But it's hard. 
And here we see this picture of Mary. Oh, Jesus, you and all the disciples and all. Oh, come on over. We'll feed you. Oh, yeah, Martha. Sorry. Martha sees Jesus and is all his gang. Come to my house. I'll put you up. We'll feed you. We'll take care of you. No problem. Like, this is an amazing woman to do this. And there, we know people like this. You, in this group, as we go through this story, there are people that are going to side with Martha, and there are people that are going to side with Mary. And it's not a war against them. Anna's laughing at me because I'm a total Martha. She's a Mary. <laughs> we compliment one another. And I'm becoming more like Mary the longer that we're married, and she's becoming more like Martha. But we need both, and we need to be both in this story. I think that the heart of the story is about prioritizing in the Christian life. And so here Martha invites them all in into her house. It's beautiful. And then verse 39, we, she had a sister called Mary. Mary's like the number two. Mary is never found in Scripture kind of like, oh, this is Mary, and Martha's her sister. It's like this is Martha's sister, Mary. In John eleven thirty five, if you're like a number two child, you'll notice this. I, I'm, I'm a weird child. I'm six to seven, but then there's so many ages. So I don't know what I am if you're doing that whole thing. But all I know is in John eleven thirty, uh, John eleven five, it says that Jesus loved Martha, her sister, and Lazarus. Do you think somebody got left out in that whole? Like Mary doesn't even. It doesn't say Martha and Mary and Lazarus. It says. Martha, her sister, and Lazarus. It's like, why did I, why did I not make the cut? She's, she's this like humble, more type B personality, what we would refer to. She's the person that I try to be all the time. Like, I'm so for journaling, but I never do it. Keeping a prayer journal, marking, like, what's God doing in your life? Write it down, record it, reflect on it. Ponder stuff. Like, I wish I was more like this. And so here we see, we're introduced to Martha, her sister called Mary, who is seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. So Jesus gets there. He gets to where he's seated, seated down. His disciples are there. He's teaching. He's, we don't know what he's teaching. And there's Mary sitting at his feet. Now, this is a very significant point that we could gloss over in our culture and not realize See, because to sit at Jesus' feet, Jesus was a rabbi. The, the place of instruction was at his feet. And, though, and today, when we want to go to a school, you apply to a school. You put in your application. You pay your money. They either accept you or reject you to the school. In those days, you did not apply to a school. You applied to a rabbi. Most people were rejected. No, no women, period, would go sit under a rabbi. Only men. And here we see... Mary sitting at his feet as a student. Now, I'm pretty sure that all of us have heard like, oh, Christianity is all about just keeping women down and they only believe in men and doing stuff. There's nothing farther from the truth. Like there are rules and there are places and there's differences in gender. But here Jesus broke a huge cultural norm. It was forbidden for a woman to sit and be taught at the foot of a rabbi. If you go into rabbinic writings, there's some horrible stuff. There, one, one guy I read this week, it said, you know, if all of the rabbis happen to be get taken off the face of the earth sort of thing, it would be better for us to burn the scriptures than to pass them on to the women. Like that's, that's, 
Like, it's okay to gasp. <gasps> like, you guys can, I know you guys all, I heard it in your hearts. But that was the attitude. Like, it was just bad. Like, to be a woman, they wanted nothing. There was, there were, the teaching was not there. It was not accepted. And we see women all in Jesus' ministry, all in the Gospels. And here's Mary sitting at his feet learning, which is huge. She's listening. She's being taught. And Mary paints this beautiful picture of Christianity, of like more of what, like I really, I'm a Martha. I wish I could be more like Mary. Like what we see with Mary, she's mentioned three times in the Bible. This time, the first time she's seen, she's sitting down, bowed before Jesus, being instructed. The second time is in John 11, let's see, it's, it's, it's 32, is the story where Jesus gets word that Lazarus is dying. He then makes it there a couple days later, waiting until after he died. He is walking into the town. Martha gets wind of it. She is, to me, it's like type A you know, German, but she's Jewish, but I kind of like, I identify with my German blood. She stomps out to Jesus, says, Jesus, if you were here, my brother wouldn't have died. And Jesus starts talking about the resurrection. He's like, I understand all that, but you could have been here and helped him. And Jesus talks to her. Jesus loves her. She understood great things. She was intense. She was a mover and a shaker. And then Martha basically goes and gets Mary, who's back at the house. Mary comes out to meet Jesus. When she meets Jesus, she falls at his feet and says the identical thing that Martha said. Jesus, if you were, if you were here, my brother would be alive. And I think that there's like the difference in attitude. She's bowing down, worshiping at his feet. And then the final time we see Mary is in John chapter 12, following the resurrection of Lazarus. Is there there? She comes up with a very expensive bottle of perfume. In today's standard, it would probably be valued at about $35,000. It was about a year's wages if you were to buy this. She breaks it, pours it on his feet, and begins taking her hair and cleaning his feet. And old Judas basically says, what a waste of money. Like, why is she doing that? We should have sold it and started feeding homeless people. And Jesus basically looks at her and says, listen, Homeless, or they'll they'll always be with you. I'm only here for a short while, and she understands that I'm dying, and she's anointing my body in preparation for the funeral. Powerful, beautiful picture of this woman just bowed down at the feet of Jesus every time we see her. And in many ways, I wish, because I get convicted by this story, I wish it just ended at verse 39. There was Martha. She invited them into the house. She's serving, preparing. Then Mary, she's just sitting at the feet of Jesus. And then they move into chapter 11. They, they want to learn about praying. How do you pray? And then they go into prayer. It'd be so much nicer that way. But then I've got to get all convicted between verses 40 and 42. So they're there. And as this is all happening, we read, but Martha, but Martha was distracted. With all her preparations, and she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. Now, let's paint this picture. They're getting the house ready. All of these, I mean, 
13 men. Do you know how much 13 men that have eaten, that they've been walking all the way from Galilee? They've been on the road for three days. We have little bologna sandwiches we're making that need to be rolled up and they need the little toothpicks. And I'm here slaving away in the background. Mary just ditches me. These guys aren't just going to feed himself. I've got to get all this stuff ready. And there she is. She's cooking. She's cleaning. She's juggling this whole system in the kitchen. And she keeps peering out, wanting to be at the feet of Jesus. But who's got time for that when they've got to be fed? And she sees her sister there. And she's getting furious. Like, how can she just dump me here doing all this work? She's over there. She's not supposed to be sitting at the feet of a rabbi. She should be back here with me helping. And then we can participate. I don't know if you guys have ever been there, but I totally have. Seriously. I like I'm a Martha and I love like God has wired me in a way that I would rather be like if a big crowd of people's talking most Sundays, like after church is over, like I tend to like, okay, let's start like cleaning up shop, kind of taking care of behind the scenes. Those of you that are with me, I know we, we, got a, we got our little network of Marthas. We kind of take care of things behind the scenes so that everything can run smoothly and, and be taken care of for every, everybody else. When I first became a Christian, this desire was already there. Like I wanted to participate, but at the church I went to, I kind of felt like all of the, the spots on the team were taken. Like it was like there was, you know, like I wasn't like in the club well enough. And then all of a sudden we started a new church and it was Miles McPherson with the Rock Church. And for the first couple of years, like every single week, he's like, listen, if you guys aren't serving, shame on you. It's totally like we have so much stuff that needs to be get done and we need people to help us. And if you're not helping, it's on you. Don't blame us for you not serving. And I loved it. I literally would show up at six in the morning to help every week they moved into San Diego state. So I'd start setting up at six in the morning. I would serve through all like five of the services and then I would stay there and break up shop and I'd go home at literally 11 o'clock at night. Like I was like an active duty Navy SEAL doing my regular job and I was doing this and I loved it. Like Ann and I were just talking about, oh, those days were like so sweet before kids and life and all this stuff where we could just go and serve and it was just fun. And then like years went on where my heart, it was out of worship and adoration of the Lord and I could give. But then something changed for a season. And I, I'm going to kind of fast forward the story to today. And it's not necessarily, you know, it, I, I'm, we're going to go into Gunner's mind a little bit in my heart, which I don't normally, it's a scary place to be. But, but in my flesh, things I have to guard about is as after I started serving for a, a few years in ministry, in, the, in church life, there's a saying that about 10% of people do all of the work for like 90% of the people or 100% of the people. And so I was kind of sharing the last service. I'm like, guys, do you like what I love doing? But after church ends, we normally get out of here around noon. Five minutes later, like 75% of the people are just like, it's like we're getting close to lunch. I totally understand. People are like, boom, out of there. Then there's like 25% of people who like linger around and ch- kind of chitter chatter. 
And then they're gone like 15 minutes after the service. And then there's like three of us. The like, it looks like Hurricane Irene came through this church building. Like, I don't know how you guys do it. Like, seriously. Goldfish crackers crumbled everywhere. Like, chocolate balls smeared into the carpet. (laughs) Bulletins left behind. Like, guys, do you know, like, starting on, like, Sunday afternoon, it's like this dance between Barb and myself. She's not here. She's in the first service. We start working on the bulletin back and forth. She folds them, gets them all printed, then folds them, then stuffs them. Then the ushers go out of their way to hand them to you. And then you just leave them in the seats as trash. As trash. It hurts. It's like they don't even care. Guys, how hard is it to flush a urinal? You know, it's like nobody flushes it all Sunday. And I'm like stuck flushing the toilets and the trash can. How hard is it to like, if you miss, to then put it back in the trash can. And then if you go down the hallway, you'll notice at about two and a half feet, there's like crayon marks and smudge marks. And it's like, parents, can you not keep like, are you doing this to drive me crazy? Like stuff all over the place. It's like there's ants, places falling apart, and they're doing it to drive me crazy. See, like this is where it can like go in your mind if you're a Martha. Seriously, you guys are you guys want to laugh a whole lot harder, or you're like going your gunner, you're pathetic. <laughs> like get over it. But it's easy to like to to which started. Like in service of the Lord to then be like, can't believe they're stabbing me in the back. Like how hard is it? Like these goldfish are for little kids. Those little cut, like they're not really for this in my mind. Then I see you adults with your goldfish. <laughs> I think we keep goldfish crackers in business at this church. And then there's the ones who get the big cups and sneak the cup, which is totally fine. That's why they're here. It's like, don't blame the little kid for the smashed up goldfish when it was really an adult, you know, like, like, like this place makes a mess and it's totally okay. Like I love serving. Like I've come to the reality that like life will go on if these chairs aren't perfectly symmetrical in their boldness. Like you guys don't understand what I go through every Saturday night. I come through, there's Sharpie marks on each chair on the front row. See that one's off. Drives me crazy. Come in here, straighten them out. I kind of pray for everybody, get them perfectly rounded. And you guys come in here and you move them four inches backwards, four inches forward. It's like, who, you guys don't even really care how straight they are. But do you guys know that like souls are on the line with these chairs because people could come here as visitors and go, man, look at that row. It's crooked. I'm not coming back to that church because it's crooked. And that's why I do it. I serve because I love Jesus and he's wired me this way. But there are these moments when I'm just like, Lord, (laughs) like, have you been with Mary, like with Martha here? Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all of the serving alone? Tell her to help me. (laughs) 
Like, this has got to be one of the more awkward moments. Like, we've also been in these situations. Here's Jesus, the creator and sustainer of the whole universe. Come to earth to live a perfect life, to die for our sins. Teaching his disciples. And Mary's there learning. And I don't know how, like, Martha went, went about this. Like, did she, like, come stand in front of him? Like, I know some type A's that will do this. I know with my daughter, Grace, we're, we've really been working on, you know, like, when adults are talking, to, like, raise your hand. We'll call on you. We see you. But Grace's style, she's still, I did it during Rick. Rick's ready. Rick is me. Grace will come up like this. Um, excuse me. Yes, Grace, one second. Excuse me, Dad. Excuse me. Excuse me. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) so we're still working on the finer points of like how the whole like hand up goes. And I don't know if I I just picture Martha. Excuse me, Jesus. Excuse me. Lord, do you not care? Uh Uh-oh. Now, who's Jesus? Jesus is God. Who created everybody? God did. Who loves us? God does. Who knows everything about us, inside everything about us? God does. Jesus, do you not care? And I just picture like a warm smile. Like, I love this girl. Like, just how I wired her. Plus a little sin nature in there. Do you not care that my sister, like... These little salami, well, they wouldn't be salami, that's pig. This, um, I'm a big fan. <laughs> like, maybe turkey wraps, you know, on like the, the, the cucumber sandwiches that have to be cut just right, perfectly, with the thing. Jesus, do you think these things made themselves for you? Like, I'm back here slaving away, and my sister is sitting here. Will you please speak to her? Like, and what's the sister doing? Like younger sister, I don't like I only know a younger brother perspective. Like in, in these real awkward moments, and especially well, see, but I'm a Martha. See, I'm not a Mary. But a Mar if this was a Martha sitting there, I'd see nostrils flaring. I am not budging an inch until this teaching session is over out of spite to her. Certainly I'm not gonna get up and go help her interrupt this like i'm at jesus like I, I don't know how this all unwrapped itself exactly but i love how jesus respond, replies to her he says but the lord answered and said to her martha martha which is just like a warm like this is not scolding this is martha dear child martha you are worried and bothered about so many things like relax it's okay it's okay. And this is the hardest thing for me as like a Martha to like realize like like to come to terms that I'm not God's linchpin. <laughs> like if I don't straighten out these chairs, like the whole world's not going to fall apart. If I don't make the coffee the right way or I don't make it at all, I got to move on from the complaining because I know it's too strong or it's too light. Like I, I make, I, it's really, it's, we just eyeball it. It's not really like a professional system going on back there. And, um, I digress. I, um, but, but life will go on. This church will go on. 
like, this is a huge thing for me. Like, I'm going on vacation tomorrow. We're flying out. It's going to be pray for us. Pray for the people around us. Um, because we are going to be that family with the kids that are probably crying the whole way. Um, but last year I left for six weeks. It was great. Like for me, like there's only 52 Sundays. I don't like missing church, period. Like I don't miss church. Like, and I'm not saying that as a pastor. I'm saying that as a Christian. Like I don't, like whatever I can, like I just don't miss church. And, and then I was like, well, I had to go to Mongolia. Didn't miss church, but I was in Mongolia for two weeks. Then I came back, then I took two weeks vacation. And then I went to Israel for two weeks. And it was like, came back, you know what? To church, totally survived. Like it was okay. It actually got healthier because I left. Because <laughs> I could unwind, spend some time with Jesus. People in the church were able to start picking up my slack, which is good for you because I totally believe in Ephesians 2.10, like that you should serve. God created you as a purpose. And I see him say this, or I was like, just relax, Martha, calm down. It's going to be okay. I had a really great thought, but it slipped my mind here. But so he's, he's looking at Martha, just calm down, relax. Mary chose the better of the two things. He says, but only one thing is necessary, which is really like he's reducing everything. He's saying, you know what? Only one thing is necessary. Kind of meaning like your whole making sandwiches isn't necessarily necessary. Is it necessarily necessary? That works. My, my journalist over there. Okay, good. Got the thumbs up. For Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Like here, she's like, she's learning at my feet. She's growing. You can't take this away from her. And I don't, like, it's just, I really, um, I want to be more like Mary and, and like some of us just aren't wired that way. I think we need both. I don't think this is an either or. But some of you who know Marcus Preciado, dear friend, worship leader type guy, totally type B. He like drives me crazy a lot of the times. I love him to death. But it, it, the organization stuff is just not really there. But when we go to like hang out, like, like we, we watch a lot of football together, eat wings and like have fun sort of stuff. But we'll just be like, like eating or doing whatever. And I'll just be like, oh, thank you, Jesus. You're so good to me. And I was like, oh, man, like we it wasn't like we weren't like praying for the food when he said it. It was just like this, this like, like praise and adoration just sort of comes out like he's sitting at the feet of Jesus all the time. And it's like, man, I like I wish I was more like that. And you see, you can't tell a Martha like, oh, like what I might have done the last service, but I realized that there was a problem with this. Because, see, if you tell somebody like me, oh, you need to spend time with Jesus, just read your Bible, pray every day, whatever, then it's like, well, okay then. That means I need to do the Bible in a year thing program. And if I do that, and then if I, I'm going to take 15 minutes, I'm going to read the Bible every day, I'll get through the Bible in a year, and boom, we spent time with Jesus. Then you get like three weeks into it, and you're like, oh, I'm so far behind now. But I've got to do this in order to please him. So we even like, can warp this whole spending time with the Lord. So I don't necessarily have the answer for you, Martha, as I'm still like dealing with this all on my own right now. But I remember somebody once told me in the midst of like through my spending time, like working and serving the Lord, they said, you know what, Gunnar, like, God doesn't necessarily want you always doing stuff for him, but he wants time with you. 
And it was profound. Like that God wants to commune with us as we serve. And really, it should be that we're like Mary. And then out of Mary, we should all become Martha's. But constantly being with the Lord. And you might be a Martha and you might be going so far and you're so like anger or bitter or frustrated. You're worried about stuff that you might have to say, I need to take a break. I need to spend time with the Lord to recoup and then continue on. Now, the question is, I'm looking at this story as I wonder about this. Then is Martha wrong and Mary right? I, I don't see that. The first thing is. Is what does the Bible say about hospitality? We read it. It's clear that we're supposed to be hospitable people. Like as a church, we're supposed to be hospitable to people that are that are not from here. Do you, coming to a church for the first time is horrifying. I I used that was my worst thing when I first became a Christian. Do you know how intimidating it is driving up to a church and then walking in? And especially if you're a baby Christian, it's like, we're a bunch of weirdos. Like, we're freaks. What are they going to do to me? Are they going to talk to me? Are they going to, like, want to be praying for me? Like, I just remember walking at a church for my first time, and there was, like, people up front, like, kneeling and praying. I thought, oh, this is so weird. Is this a cult or something? Like, I don't know what's happening. Because I know people are just praying. It's not. But it's, when you come, it's, it's intimidating. And there's a term that I kind of think, it's, I, I understand, but I disagree with it in a lot of respects, is this term that's been created in church circles in recent years as a derogatory thing about being a seeker-friendly church. And while you don't want to water down the message, we, don't, we, we would like it to be <laughs> those who are seeking God. We would like to be sort of friendly to them, don't you think? And I think it's a good thing to, like, when they walk in, that there's coffee there. I like making the coffee because I feel like coffee will help bring people to Jesus. And this isn't like oh, the holiest of holy sanctuaries. This is just a building. Like we're the church. The church is the Christian who, who the spirit of God is in. Collectively, we are the body of Christ, the church. This is a building that he's provided for us. And so even though my Martha side gets like really crazy, like there's a coffee cup right here, quarter filled. Rick's probably not even paying attention to it. He's probably, no, you know, it's feel safe, feel comfortable. Oh, it's empty. Okay, good. But so like the Martha side of me is like, he's going to knock it over like anytime. And he's just going to leave the styrofoam cup there and like go away. And there's going to be, Rick gives me permission to tease him. Like, this is not like, don't worry. Like, this isn't like the improv, like where if you're a visitor, like this is totally consensual harassment. Right? Yeah, totally. <laughs> but, but so there's that side of me like, no, if they bring coffee in here, then they're going to spill. And if those kids, like, they bring cookies, then the kids are going to bring cookies. And then there's going to be crumbs. And then crumbs, what goes after crumbs? Ants. Then there's going to be ants over everybody. And then people aren't going to come back to the church and not meet Jesus. It's like, that's in my heart. But then I have to go, no. It's good to be hospital that people have their cup of coffee. If they spill, it's okay. Like, we just had the carpet and all the seats cleaned, and it was very affordable. I went four years, like, worrying about that, and it was, like, super cheap. We need to do that more often. Like, they can clean this stuff. And I love Chuck Smith. Chuck Smith, when he first went to his church, the surfers were tracking sand into the building. And the deacons were complaining about it, or all the church. This is brand new carpet. These stupid surfers are coming in. 
Do you know what Chuck Smith did? He tore out all the carpet. They had concrete for like the next two years. That's so awesome. Like, so when I hear myself, oh, like Sunday, because you can't really see the stains when you're all here, but when you're all gone, there's like stains and stuff on the carpet. Not now because we cleaned it. But I'm thinking, man, we got to just outlaw coffee altogether. No more brownies, no chocolate, no anything. And then I hear God say, okay, just rip out the carpet if it's bugging you that much. I'm like, I'm not ready to go there yet, you know? Like, it'll be okay. We want to be hospitable. We want the kids to come here and to find Jesus and to love Jesus through their experience. When I first came to this church, and there were about eight of us, George was there for George. We're all excited because George and Evie here. George was a pastor of this church in the 60s, right? About 10 years or so in the 60s. And then he retired here and was the pastor here unofficially for many, many years, for 20 years. Um, George was one of my very dear friends. And Evie taught me a lesson during our first, our leadership meetings back then. Well, there's only one service and there were about 20 of us. And if you had a heartbeat, you were invited to come to the leadership meetings. And I remember telling Evie, or I didn't tell Evie, Evie told me, but I told the group, hey, we'll take it really slow. We won't start changing everything. And I was glad that I was out of Evie's striking distance because she's from New York and you can't take the New Yorker out of a New York, uh, New York out of a New Yorker. But her eyes grabbed me and she said, brother, don't go too slow. We're dying. We're dying. And there's a whole community of people that don't know Jesus. So whatever you have to do, you have to reach them. And that's been their heart. And so if there's a little bit of crumbs on the floor, who cares? And I'm talking to myself. Like, I know we have to be hospitable. And we want to preserve what God has provided. And that's why I continue to clean and serve. And those of us who do, and you're, there's always available. Like, you guys can stick around and help clean up. Help clean up shop. You, you're welcome to. Um, but what I learned in this story is it's so critical to spend time with Jesus. Like, we need to be like Mary. And when we serve, it should come out of spending time with Jesus. Not for trying to earn merit with him, but out of adoration and love and joy for what he's done for us. That he created us to serve. And, and, and I don't know what serving looks like for you. And it will never be easy to spend time with Jesus. There will always be distractions. There's a story, uh, the, the, the Methodist church, we'll start from that, what people are aware of. The Methodist church was started by John Wesley. His wife, Susanna, was his wife, and they had mother. Oh, guys, let me confuse with the facts or whatever. So, so his mom, you know, facts always get in the way of a good story. But Susanna Wesley was his mom. There was 10 kids that survived. And I imagine that they had a small house. And with the people I know that have 10 children, it's like managed chaos. And apparently, like in the midst of the chaos, her deal when she needed to spend time, when, and her process of spending time to the Lord with the Lord, would it be ta- to take her apron and to throw it up over her head, and she would read her Bible hiding underneath her apron. And I guess the kids were like, if mom's got her apron over her head, don't bother her. Stay out of her way. And you might not have, I don't even wear an apron. But, but you might need to, to do something radical. Like, like whatever you have to do to guard your time so that you're spending time with the Lord, I know that we, we need to do this. Yeah. 
And then finally, we need to serve. And I always catch myself when I'm cleaning up, um, or doing anything that's like less than like, or my, my spirit within me starts getting angry. Like, can't believe whatever, you fill in the blank. And I've, I've come to realize, you know what, I'm, not, I'm serving unto the Lord. And so I don't care if you guys like trash this place every single week. Like I don't. I'll clean. And when my spirit kind of gets out of check, what I say, we, we don't want to do this. I'm trying to put a little star there, you know. Is it's like, no, I'm doing this unto the Lord. Like I'm not going to get, Jesus, I'm doing this out of love and adoration for you. I'm not doing this for me. I'm not doing this for whatever. And we know that, see, Martha didn't, like this whole story, it just kind of ends. They're going to go into prayer. But what's the deal? Did, did Martha like stop doing what she was doing and then just sit down and never serve again? Turn with me to over to John chapter 12 and we're going to end here. And so John chapter 12, this is after Lazarus has, has um, been raised from the dead. This is the scene right before Mary's down breaking the oil um, on his feet, wiping his hair. And it's subtle. This is a week before Jesus' death. And we read, Jesus, therefore, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they made him a supper there, and Martha was serving. But Lazarus was one of those reclining at the table with him. Mary then took a pound of very costly perfume of pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. And so what I learned from this is Mar- Martha's being Martha. She's doing what she's supposed to do the way God wired her. But there's no drama in this story. And I think that the issue, and Mary's still being Mary. She's still at the feet of Jesus. She's bowing down in worship and adoration of him. And the thing that I learned from Martha is God has wired me, and he might have wired you to serve in certain ways. And as we're doing our things, we're to kind of keep our blinders on ourselves where we're only worried about ourselves and our relationship with God. And then as we do this, we guard ourselves from, oh, I'm doing whatever it is, but then you see somebody else doing something else, and you're like, oh, I'm so jealous of them. Like, why do, like, why does, like, why does all everybody in the worship team, why were they gifted with the ability to, like, play music? Like, it really, like, drives me crazy sometimes. Like, I so wish I could play the drums. I have no rhythm. I have no tone. I have, like, no, I can't even clap at the right time. <laughs> but if we're looking at other people, it's so easy to let bitterness and resentment when we need to say, Lord, what do you want me to do? I'll do it with joy and peace and contentment. And my worry, like I'm going to close with, with, the, with the number two. Because I'm such a Martha, my, my worry is that I make a bunch of Marthas in discipleship, you know? Like I love Marys. We need Marys. We need to be more like Mary. I don't want to create a bunch of people just because I'm wired that way that we all say, no, we've got to work and serve. And, and that's how we like earn like reward from God, how he becomes pleased with us. We need to do what God wants us to do. Like you're saved by grace alone through Christ who died on the cross for you. Ephesians 2.10 says that he's created good works for you to do before the foundations of the earth. And I don't know what those good works are. But I know that I want you to do them. And that's my role is to help you in your walk with God. And Father, we do thank you and praise you for this day. 
Lord, I thank you for um, this story um, about Martha and Mary. Lord, I thank you for the example, the good example we see in both. Lord, um, I look to Martha and I do want to be more hospitable. Um, Father, that we would esteem others higher than ourselves, that we would go out of our way um, just to help and bless other people. Father, I look at Mary and Lord, I I desire to have that to be my launching point for everything that I do. Uh, For the Marthas in here, Lord, I pray that you would help us uh, not to see spending time with you as a to-do list, um, something that we have to do, uh, something that weighs us down, Lord, but that um, that our love for you would just grow and that spending time with you would become just something that's incorporated uh, in all of our life. And Lord, um, for us, Martha's, Lord, that have struggled with this sort of resentment and worrying and, and um, just bothered by the so many things that weigh us down, Lord, help, help us to give that to you, Lord. Help us to rest in you. And Father, I pray that you would um, help us to, to strike that balance between being Mary and Martha. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for your faithfulness um, to us. We pray this in Christ's good name. Amen.